<laughs> All right. Welcome to The Big Top with your hosts, Amy Seifert and Lori Rittenham. We are just two women juggling too many things, and we're inviting you to come join our circus. We both love laughing and learning, and our hope is that you go back to your own circus just a little bit lighter. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to The Big Top, friends. Today, you are going to love our guest. This next conversation is a blast. Lori and I were writing things down. You're going to love it. And our our guest is Barb Roos. And if you don't know Barb, you're going to love her. Um, She is a speaker and she's an author and she's passionate about connecting women to one another and to God. And her goal is to equip women to win at life with Christ-empowered strength and dignity, and she is doing that. She's doing it with conferences all over the nation, all over um, just in in these spaces that are are developing women and their spirituality and their growth and their leadership. It's beautiful. She's also the author of two books, one that just came out this spring, um, Winning the Worry Battle, Life Lessons from the Book of Joshua, and another book, Beautiful Already, Reclaiming God's Perspective. So uh, she's a blast. And we also have something really fun happening. Lori, as you'll, you'll hear um, on and off through the show, we have our youngest podcaster who's having a snack with us as we podcast. Little Zane Brittenham is along for the ride and you'll hear him cooing. Uh, and we're just having so much fun as women, as moms, doing the things, like doing the things we love, still being moms. It's a blast. So, oh, friends, enjoy the show. I am Amy Seifert, one of your, your hosts here this morning, and I'm with my other co-host. Lori Brittenham. Here's what's part of our circus today. Can we just be candid? You've got a baby with you. I do. Currently nursing. Nursing while podcasting. I just, this is phenomenal. Mom's this is on mom. Mom's doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're excited to hear from Barbara. So we're going we're gonna to tell you a little bit um, more about, we're going to hear from her. But first, we just thought we'd sort of embarrass her to just to just kick kick it off, right? Does this sound good with you, Barb? Can you say good morning? <laughs> good morning, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. And you know what, Lori? I love keeping it real. I mean, this is how we, especially girls, this is how we get it done. <laughs> Multitasking like to the highest level. Right yes. Now. I love it. Um, all right. So for our listeners, we're going to play some Mad Gab. And if you're not familiar, um, yes, I'm going to show a card to Lori. She's, she's seeing the answer right now. Um, Actually, if I, if I take off my glasses, I can't see squat. Oh, wait, that's not it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> All right, Barb, you and me. I'm going to read this Madcap card. And you got to guess what I'm saying. I can you do that, please? kind of. All right, you ready? <laughs> hum haste or haste? Haste makes waste. Is it it, Lori? No. Okay. Hum haste or ace? Oh. Hum haste or ace? Amazing Grace. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. 
I feel really good about that. I think we're done for the day. We're like done. I'm feel, I feel good about that. Guys, I am awful at these games. Like Mad Libs. Um, my kids are like, Mom, can we play Apples to Apples? No, because I'm no. awful at it. Um, Mama can't win. No. Well, if it's in plain English, I'll kill it. Like, I will scrabble. I'm great. Uh, anything where the letters are messed up a little bit or I got to be a little bit smarter than the average bear, I'm not any good at those. <laughs> well, Barb, um, you're a good sport because yes. that can, you know, what's, what are we doing? We're a circus. What we're doing. That was well, fun. Our listeners can play along, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and honestly, right now they feel much better about themselves because <laughs> they, they guessed, they guessed what was happening there a long time ago. And they're like, mm, on, you know Barb. what, Barb, Lori, mm, what are you yeah. All right, Bob. Th- thanks for playing that game. Okay. couple other questions. Get to, kn- get to know you right off the bat, Barb. All right. You ready for these? Couple I am. A couple fun questions. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Um, okay, we're asking all of our guests to tell us a funny or embarrassing or um, just a highlight of a homecoming story that you might have. So for me, the um, embarrassing is that I was, there's actually two very quick stories matched together. So first, my junior year was I had two homecoming dresses and got stood up. And then for my senior year, I was the homecoming queen and the teachers had to arrange my date. (laughs) (laughs) Because you didn't have one even though you were the queen. Uh, So when you put those two stories together, it explains a lot about some of the baggage that I had during my high school years. So yes, two dresses, no date, senior year, Teachers had to find a nice young man and ask him if he would take me to homecoming because no one had asked me. Wait, but you were the queen. You were the queen. I was. And it wasn't like I was like Godzilla or anything. But no, girl, um, you. Well, but I had been, a, I could not get a date in high school to save my life. I mean, what is, oh, here's, yeah. what, here's the connection right now. Lori also was the homecoming queen. I'm amongst royalty right now. <laughs> I just, I was on the top 10, but I didn't make it any farther. Not the court, not the thing. So y'all, good job. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> you, you know what? It was, it would be a super fun story, but remember the teachers had to arrange my date. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember? Did you end up together? What? Um, no, no, it was definitely no, 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 no. He actually, he went on, he, and, um, later in life, he and his wife had six kids. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, all of those things, but yeah, I did not have a date. I actually did not have a date to prom. I was never asked to prom and, um, and stood up for homecoming. And so, yes, I, I have no, I have no great stories in high school about that, any of that. Except the queen part. Oh my. Um, well, I love that. This is a fantastic story. Um, so we're leading off with like your em- embarrassment is what, what's happening here. Um, but we are in the middle of our women in leadership series, which is why we're so excited to hear from you. Um, and we'll, we'll tell more about you up front, but I, I want to hear if you could just give us a bit of your leadership journey because you've been, you've been in leadership 
for quite some time. We want to hear about this journey. The, the best part about sharing this is what I hope is that for any, anyone who's listening out there, if you are today, you've got dreams or it doesn't feel like the, the road has been smooth, that that is part of the leadership journey. Um, I'm a firstborn, a firstborner. So I meet all the firstborn characteristics. Uh, from an early age, I just had this view of how I thought the world should go, much to my mom's chagrin. So in high school, uh, it wasn't too quickly in the beginning to work after school jobs. I remember I was a head cashier at a local business when I was in high school. And that was my first experience of seeing what awful leadership looked like. Um, I remember being a head cashier in a family business and seeing all, and I didn't, I had no leadership language to work with, but I remember seeing people who had influence and authority treat people badly, oh. uh, influence and authority and using it for personal gain, influence and authority to be selfish. And that's, that still sticks with me all of these years later. I'm um, in college. I got into what I loved calling up. I loved being able to um, see people identify me and they go, oh, we want you to lead this. And that I like started getting some bad habits there. But my leadership journey for most of my life has been, wow, God, this is really cool. And then be really excited about something, be energized, realize I was overcommitted, being overwhelmed, and then burn out. Um, I rolled that cycle for many, many years. So that's, that's kind of what my leadership journey looked like. But along the way, there were some super duper fun moments and there were some really important and difficult lessons learned. Hmm. Yes. Um, yep. I want to hear more about that. So, um, I want to hear, you know, what has been some challenging things of you, as you've been in a woman in leadership, you were, were on staff at Cedar Creek church, um, in Perrysburg, Ohio for 14 years. Is that right? For almost 14 um, years. Yep. Yes. Um, so you've got this background of, of being put into leadership, um, getting excited about that and then obviously falling flat on your face at different points. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about that journey for you. Well, let me give some bio context of bio, bio, biographical context. Um, after I graduated from college, I went to work for an insurance company and uh, that went well, but then that led to a, a job working in pharmaceutical sales. And what I loved about that career was I had a chance to do something that was really kind of super and fun and it fit my gifts. It taught me some great lessons about how to influence folks. Uh, but there came a day when I had to choose between whether or not I would interview to become a district manager, which would mean lots of time away from my kids and a lot of travel. And there were no female district managers who were mothers in my, ter in my region. Mm -hmm. um, I had to choose between that and um, actually um, going a different route. And so I actually ended up leaving the drug company to run a local nonprofit. The, the pivotal moment for me was um, looking at that challenge between being a woman who would be, I wanted this leadership job, I would have gotten that interview. Um, I had won the company's top sales awards multiple years in a row. Uh, this would have been a great path. But then I was looking at some of the things that um, I really wanted, and it was just to be there for my kids, and that job wouldn't let me do that. So I ran a nonprofit for a year that I came on staff at the church, 
one of the things that I learned over the years was leading myself well. Uh, mm-hmm. Leading myself well meant that I had to take care of who I was and be really aware of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of fun moments along the way. I remember uh, I was the adult education director. And one of the very first big projects I had, we hosted this class. And there were about 500 or so people who had signed up for the class. And uh, I will never forget, I was, um, I had worked, um, I had pulled together the curriculum, pulled together, we had registration, and that evening of the class, it was a three-week class, uh, people started showing up. And then my assistant came over and whispered, Barb, there are people registered, but we don't have their registration. And it was like this $10 class, they got a binder, and then like it, 10, 15 people. Well, then one of the people who was helping with registration, she kind of created this area where people could stand if they said they registered, but we couldn't have the registration form. Guys, the class began at 7 o'clock. At 6.45, there were almost 100 people in that line. Wow. And I'm standing there, I'm looking, and I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> and I remember my assistant is standing there and she's looking at me and we're like, well, something happened and a hundred registrations were misplaced out of the, so instead of 500 people, we actually had 600 people unbeknownst to us. And I'll never forget, we were on the fly. I'm trying to come up with solutions, get people in, make sure their experience wasn't ruined. And after we got everyone in the auditorium, I'll never forget standing against the counter, looking at the people who were on my team working with me and thinking, I was responsible for their experience tonight as well, not just the people in the auditorium. And thinking about what I had put them through because there was some flaw in the system because I missed something. And so everything that kind of, that was a, that was a turning point for me in leadership and really understanding that my job as a leader was to take care of the people who I was key in influencing, knowing how to take care of them well. So good. That's so insightful. It it was. Um, The other insightful bit of information, and this is so important, especially if you're out there and you do food, uh, because in ministry, food is deeply tied to ministry. Um, I want to share with you something that is still happening at my church because of what I learned. And we call it tiny plates, people. Tiny plates. (laughs) I hosted an event. We had shrimp. We had cheese. We had all of the good food. And we gave people 10-inch plates. There were probably 200 people. We ran out of food after 100. There is actually a song that we started singing to remind everyone to always have six and three quarter inch plates at every event. Plates should never be bigger than six or three quarter inches because people lose their mind when they're at church and it's time to eat. They want to eat all the food. That's, that is leadership wisdom. That may be the only thing that somebody comes away with today. Amen. I have big plates. <laughs> Barb, I'm going to start implementing that at our church. That's brilliant. Tiny plates, six and three quarters <laughs> inches. I believe that Jesus blesses that. <laughs> Maybe after this, you can share your song with us. Oh my, oh, you know what? It's oh, tiny plates. Oh, tiny plates. Make sure you always have tiny plates. <laughs> and that's a wrap, folks. Um, <laughs> Thanks for being big, Jeff. That's awesome. Bar, that's so funny. Okay, 
But so Barb, you've had tons of experience in leadership. Sounds like from even an early age, you had maybe a call in your life to be a leader. Um, so just name us some things. What are some things that you love or enjoy most about being a woman in leadership? In my leadership environment for many years, especially in church ministry, uh, I was the only female as well as the only African-American on an executive team. Uh, and, and that also includes management team and those things. And so my context, the way I see the world is, has been of being the, the only to represent that female voice and to represent the person of color. Now, I want to give a big shout out to my founding pastor, Lee Powell, who was also my mentor, this was a remarkable decision that he made uh, years ago. Uh, for many, 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 many years, uh, Cedar Creek was always in the top 50 or 60 largest churches in America. And Lee made a decision many years ago, back in 2005, to put a woman and a black woman on stage, no doubt, to have her be a weekend teacher. And then on top of that, he invested his leadership wealth of information in me. So when I talk about my life as being a leader, I am deeply aware that where I'm at today is because a male leader with great influence invested his time in me. And we're having lots of discussions these days in church world about women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Women, leadership is, it is, uh, it's a, it's an exchange. It's an exchange of thoughts and ideas and influence. And as women, we have to be willing to exchange with men and men have to be willing to exchange with women. And so the three things really that Lee taught me, um, the very first one was always be kind. Uh, mm-hmm. Lee, Lee had lots of folks who were constantly criticizing him for how he did church. Uh, our church was one of the fastest growing churches in America for many, many years. Uh, we have currently five campuses. Well, while Lee was there, uh, he retired in October of 2015. And um, I think we had five campuses and eight or nine, about nine, 10,000 attendees somewhere in there. Wow. So we were a large church. And he was always kind, even when people pushed back. And that didn't mean he was a pushover, but he was always kind. The second was that he treated is he treated us like family. That had positives and negatives, but he treated the people that he influenced like family. And then the third, and this is the thing that I valued most, was he always took the phone calls from his wife. If his Aww. wife called, it didn't matter what kind of meeting he was in. He always took the call from his wife. And uh, those are the three things that I keep in mind as a leader. And I think those are, those are bits of wisdom. Um, he used to always say whenever someone left church staff, he wanted people to leave in a way that when he was in the grocery store, he never wanted ha- have to hide and hide out from someone in the grocery store. Huh. That's so good. I love that piece. I, all of it. Um, the kindness, like family, and then the the marriage piece. That's so, it's endearing and it's beautiful. And clearly you've, you, you seem to have thrived under his leadership, which is, which is awesome. 
Absolutely. And those, those lessons that I learned from Lee, those became the basis for lessons that I've had to learn. And also, it also it's a, a good mooring for places, mooring as far as a good stake to come back to during when I made mistakes. I remember there were years when I felt like what I was doing was so important and I missed phone calls from my husband. Or there were times when the campus pastors and I, we would have a disagreement and we wouldn't necessarily scream and yell at each other, but boy, we just just we growl under our teeth or, or maybe I took something personally that I shouldn't have taken personally. But those three principles were always great moorings to come back to when I would have a quiet moment and, and I, if I would let God speak and he would say, hey, sister, uh, that didn't go well for you today. Um, and what is it gently that God's spirit was moving me back toward? And often it was one of those three principles. Mm, that's so good. I think too. Um, oh. I think too, Barb, what you said was so good about Lee, essentially, um, he stepped aside to, he stepped aside to platform you. And I love that. Like, I remember reading an interview with, um, Joe Saxton. Um, yes. Yep. He says very similar things that, um, a man stepped aside so that she could have a platform. Mm. I thought that was so good. And so even insightful and reflective of the character of Jesus that he steps aside so that others can have life. And I love that. It really, truly, because it, the person who steps aside is the person who really is taking risk. And one of the most painful parts of leadership were when Lee did step aside and when people left the church, when they saw a female on the platform. And I also know that there may have been one or two people that it steps aside because it was a black person on the black platform at a majority white church. Those things were difficult for me. And yet what I also remembered was Lee was the one who was taking the hit. He was the one who was absorbing the emails. He was the one who he held the conviction that this is what our church needed and this is what God called him to do. And the beautiful part was what Lee understood was the kingdom mindset was that what was on the platform would reflect what would be in our church. Mm. So if if he wanted to see diversity, then diversity had to be on the platform. And not just the diversity of, hey, we're going to go find the nearest black person and make them make them a drummer or make them a singer. Like I see churches do that and p- people of diversity sniff that a mile away. Mm-hmm. Like don't just have the person come in for the weekend and go, hey, they look like they can sing. We put them on the platform. People know that. It, it looks fake. It smells fake. But what I loved was that Lee genuinely cared. And so if he wanted to see young men in our church, there were young men on the platform, Mm. young families. He instructed us to talk about our kids because what is on the platform is what we will see in the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And I love that to have um, you visible and a a gifted woman uh, who is gifted to teach up there, as you're saying, not simply because of the color of your skin or um, your gender. I think that's beautiful and so important. Okay. So you talked about people would left the church, um, at different, I mean, so obviously there were challenges, there have been challenges, um, and struggles. Like how, how did you deal with that? Like did an insecurity rise for you and how did you, how did you walk through that? Or, or as you think about your challenges, um, and I'm sure you had many, um, how did you walk through those well, or, or maybe not well? 
Well, that's where all of the learning comes in because some of the challenges for me were very much about how I would respond to situations. Uh, All these years later, I have great language, this great acronym I learned called Q-TIP, quit taking it personally. And especially as, yes, Q-TIP, as a woman leader, it was really easy for me to look at a situation and take it personally because I was a woman. Well, common sense is when we're faced with struggle and we don't handle things well, it often has nothing to do with the people around us. It has to do with us. So if the guys and I were having a debate about something and my job was basically, my job was baked in tension. So I oversaw leadership or leadership development for life group leaders. I did all of the planning for all of our learning environments. So if it was classes, seminars, large events, and then there were campus pastors who basically they shepherded the the folks at their campus. So I had programming, they had people. In that, those tensions were huge. And so if the guys had different problems or what have you with the challenges they were facing at their campus, it was the tension for us was how do I help them solve their people problems and how do they implement the programming? Those were hard conversations that happened every single doggone week. And there were times where I would take it personally because I'd be like, guys, I called them my work husbands. I'd be like, I gave you everything on a silver platter. Well, what they were struggling with had nothing to do with me. It was about the real-time challenges they were facing in their environment. So when I talk with women who are in leadership, really making sure not to take things personally. If, if we're facing opposition, sometimes it is because we're a female leader. But the majority of time, it's because of whatever else is happening on the other plates of the people in the room. Mm. The, second, the second thing that I learned for me as a leader, and it was really that um, the lack of confidence, it was... Um, The lack of confidence is when I ask myself a question about whether or not I should be sitting in that seat. Mm. If I'm asking myself that question, I am now distracting myself from what God has called me to do. That's so good. If we keep asking ourselves, do we deserve to be sitting in the seat that we're sitting, then that is in essence us questioning God's sovereignty of, did he call us to that? Once we are sitting in the seat, we have to stop asking the question. We're in that seat for better or for worse. And so either we, either God has made the right decision or we have to make the decision right. You are ministering to my soul. I know. I feel like I'm in a counseling <laughs> session. Preach, girl. It's so good. Yes. Just talk, Barb. <laughs> Just talk. Well, that is, it, it, it's a question that women, women are coming with today. And we're like, you're, if you are sitting in the seat, the yes came from somewhere. And if the man that God has put in influence, if he's your pastor, if it's a female pastor and you're sitting in the seat, stop asking the question. Goodness. Instead, the new question becomes, how can I be the best steward of the seat? That's the new question. How can I become the best steward? Not should I be here? Not how long? Who cares that I'm here? Is somebody else supposed to be here instead of me? Is so-and-so mad because I'm here? No, it is God. What am I supposed to be doing while I'm here? How do I glorify you, be a benefit to others, and bless myself? Mm. Girl, preach. That is good. It don't take much for me to preach, (laughs) y'all. 
Well, and maybe in the same vein of that, Barb, um, what would you say that you've, so you've been in leadership development. Um, and so what do you think are some things that most commonly hold women back from leading? Or maybe, well, even I, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, Amy and I have had a number of conversations and, um, if I ever sit down with a female leader, I actually skip past all of the sexy leadership stuff because um, that stuff, you know what, that stuff eventually finds its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like to talk about is this idea of training for adversity because the devil's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And when it comes to women in leadership, uh, Satan comes for our families first. Mm-hmm. Um, first, he comes for our marriages, and then he comes for our babies. And what, when I mean he comes for it, it is the distractions of he knows that the softness of our heart for the people that we love and care about, he knows that if he can get us all whipped up, you know what, We're gonna, our families are going to face struggles. Our kids are going to face struggles, our spouses, our finances, our homes, stuff's going to break down, burn down, and bust. But Satan knows that if he can get us all crazy over it, then he knows he can distract, he can take out our leadership and our and us and our families all at once. Mm-hmm. So I talk about training for adversity. And what I mean is um, a gentleman named Joe DeSena, he uh, ran Spartan, he runs Spartan races. He's the CEO. And every morning he wakes up and he takes a cold shower and does 300 burpees. He calls that training for adversity. And mm-hmm. essentially, what he is he raises the bar on what his body can take so that throughout the day things don't bother him anymore because he's conditioned his body to ignore small struggles he's conditioned he's conditioning his body every single day to not be bothered by the small stuff so when I think about my life as a leader I have to train for adversity every single day. I have to work out my body, my heart, my mind, and my soul so that I do not have to waste time on the small struggles. If the little stuff is tripping you up, then that's going to be hard for you to take on the big stuff. And so you got to train every day, your body, your spirit, your mind, and your soul. Good. Barb, on that note, um, do you have some principles that you implement? to take care of those three things? I do. Um, And it's so funny. I had to flesh this concept out. Um, I had a new book that came out uh, back in April. And so I had to flesh out this training for adversity. And so this, what I'm going to share with you is where I'm at right now. If it creates tension for you, pray about it. I'm not saying that this is how you do it. I'm just saying this is what God's had to lead me to. So for me, it starts in the morning. I have a routine. Um, And my routine simply is to, um, Jesus said, you should love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. So I just looked at that and went, okay, how do I do that every day? So I wake up, I walk the dog and work out. That is, for me, that is strength. And that is um, going outside that helps clear my mind. Mm -hmm. And then there is my Bible study. And then there's prayer connection with God. So that is the routine. And then once a week, I have a fast day. And the reason why I have to have a fast day is because there are so many pieces, high-level pieces happening in my life. Uh, Richard Foster said it best. He said that when we fast, 
that is how we see exactly, that's how we see the junk that is hanging out in our hearts and our minds and our, in our souls. Because unlike anything else, fasting raises the gross stuff inside of us. He didn't use the word gross. That's become my new word of late. But that, those are the two things that I do uh, that really helped me. So one is an everyday one is an everyday training, and one is a once a week training. So good. I'm, I'm putting that my phone, taking notes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our listeners are going to have to get out pad and pen and just mm, get it. It actually, it's a chapter. It's actually a chapter in the book that I call Secret Weapon. Uh, I have. I did not want to do this. I am a food lover. Uh, if anybody sees a picture on me, I am a healthy girl. So the whole fasting thing, it's been something that I've done periodically. I do not love doing it. And then for those who are like, but we're not supposed to talk about it. They said, do not do it. We're not supposed to talk about it when we're doing it, but we're supposed to talk about it with each other because it's daunting and it's scary. And yes, we can fast from technology and yes, we can fast from other things. But, um, if you live here in America where most of us do not struggle with food security, I believe that there is also something to be fasting from food. Uh, Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yes. In leadership, there are going to be times when the pain is so white hot mm. that really only the words of God will sustain us. And there are, I, th- I believe, especially if you're in leadership, that we have to pr- practice that principle so that when the time really comes, that we are able to do it. That's so good. Ugh. Lori, we're, I guess we're fasting tomorrow, girl. So, Starting now. <laughs> Herb, that's so... Uh, I love it. I love thinking about feasting on God's word. And yes, it is so true. When we fast... Um, specifically, even I've noticed this from food that everything comes to this. It's like the dross, right? Comes to the surface and we have this like clarity. Oh, so good. The hardest part of it is because it is hard. We know that we are not going to die. We know that we're not going to actually physically die from one day. But the amount of yuck, and I mean, I've been doing this every week. This is now, I'm at the three-year mark. Mm. The amount of stuff each week that still surfaces, I'm like, wow. But the benefit for me is I know that I am creating space for God to raise it up out of me. If I am going to have influence, I cannot let that stuff build up because whatever I build up, I will use to beat up the people that I influence. Mm. Jeez. <sighs> yep. This is good. Well, <laughs> we're done. It's <laughs> <laughs> a healthy punch in the gut. <laughs> uh, Barb. All right. Let's do one last question. I wish we could talk to you for like three to four hours. Like, can we just do that for a podcast? Like a three hour. I've made enough mistakes that I have enough material for that. Like I got, I got, I got enough war stories that I'm sure we could, but your readers would probably be like, what is wrong with this woman? <laughs> Okay. All right. So here's our, our last question here. If you could give a word of advice to women, which you've given us a lot, which I, I'm, I'm chewing on them now, but um, if you could give a word of advice to women who are in leadership or they desire to lead, I mean, what would that be? What would you say to our women listeners? For now, 
is not forever. Mm. That principle is for anyone out there where you see where you're at and you're wondering if the time will ever come for you to lead at the level that you hope and dream you could lead at. I am talking to you all as a woman who just watched my last child graduate from high school two, three weeks ago. And when I, when she was young and I had all these leadership dreams, I was concerned, worried, afraid that I would not be able to do some of those things. But for now is not forever. Wherever God has you in this moment, you lead where you are. It's the, we all, most of us know the Andy Stanley saying, um, it may not be what you do. Your greatest contribution may be who you raise. And this applies if you are a man or a woman. Wherever you are at now, you lead that like your life depends on it. Jesus said that we are to be faithful in the small things if we're to be faithful in greater. And use that to build upon. I look back at my life with my kids and it went in a flash but I also remember the things I was during, doing during those days and all of those, when I started out as the adult education director, all of those small projects when my life was busy in so many places, and then I moved on to become the directional leader and all of those things. And I moved on to becoming what I, everything is, is building upon itself. So it is important in the moment and it'll be important for the future, even if you can't see it. So for now is not forever. Be content and be committed to what you're doing right now. That's so good. Dang. We're, just, we're, we're stunned. We're like sitting here in silence. That's well, so Barbara, it's so meaningful. I mean, even on episode one, the very last question we talked about was our biggest fears. And one of the biggest fears I have right now is like, will I ever be the leader that I think God is calling me to be? But it's like, what you just said is he's calling me to be the leader that I am right now. Like exactly. I'm rocking my baby. You heard him crying earlier. Like, it's just meaningful to hear you even say that in this very moment. I, I remember after I left being, when I left being a drug rep in the nonprofit, I actually had eight years where I worked part, seven years, seven or eight years, somewhere in there where I worked part time. And those years, when I think back on those years, how they were so long ago, but how, how they were filled with that tension of, oh my gosh, what, what am I missing? And all, but I just remember thinking, I'm never going to get these years back. And that was eight years ago, eight, nine to 10 years. I have no idea. My oldest daughter's 25. When I look back at all of the different seasons of life, I would have been missing something if I would have kept my eyes too far ahead. So stay present, stay content, stay committed because time goes so much faster than what you can realize. So good. Oh, yeah. It, you are you yeah you're singing to our soul right now barb it's so good we've got our praise little, god and yeah yeah if nothing else we as the listeners of the big tap right just me and Lori, we are blessed <laughs> so that's our mothers barb thank you thank you for being with us thank you for your wisdom i know i mean 
I can't wait to go back and listen, honestly. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me and, and give some space to share about some of the things that I have learned. And for all of the leaders out there, I am grateful for all of you. I don't know where God has you and what God has you doing. I just know that what you are doing is vitally important to the kingdom, vitally important. And so I just, I'm excited and I hope that you do it well in Jesus' name. Mm, so good. All right, friends, wasn't that a blast with Barb? I went from cracking up, you guys, one minute to crying for real the next. It's fine. I cannot get over her saying that we need to stop asking the question if we should be sitting in the seats that we're sitting in. And that if we keep actually asking that question, we're in essence questioning God's sovereignty. And so instead of asking if we should be sitting there, that we need to be asking this new question, how can I be a steward of the seat? I am telling you guys, I'm going to put that on repeat as I walk into my own work meetings, parent my crazy kids, and take hold of opportunities that God has placed before me. And so for real, you guys, go check out our show notes where you can find Barb's books and more information about her. And if you thought she was good for just 30 minutes today with us, be sure to check out her podcast, Better Together with Barb Bruce, if you haven't already done so. All right. Well, next episode, we might just have one of our all-time favorite guests on. And he might just be making a couple repeat performances because we love recording with him so much. So you're going to want to come back next episode and you are going to find yourself splitting your sides with laughter with one minute and profoundly challenged the next minute. So before you close out iTunes right now, if you guys would go ahead and just take two seconds to subscribe subscribe to our podcast and and leave us a rating and and maybe even a review if you would, and let us know that you've joined the party at the Big Top. So thanks, listeners. We get to do this because of you. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week.